1: To the Steelers Outpost podcast. Still a proud member of the Armchair All Americans Network. It is December 22nd, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from the Sawdust Studios in the Washington, D.C. Outpost, joined by Nicholas from the Houston Outpost.
2: (sighs) Is this the most anticipated, most important podcast we've done in a while, or is this the absolute worst one we have to do after the embarrassment we suffered last night, uh, Steelers fans at the hands of the hapless two-win Bengals with the third-string quarterback and third-string running back and third-string offensive line? Or was it my childhood and early adulthood being ripped out from a hole in my chest in the form of Father Time seemingly taking the red-eye flight in from Japan on the fastest jet known to man into Ben Roethlisberger's life and, and maybe coming for the end of Ben's career. I guess what I'm trying to say is this has to be done. Do I want to do it? Talk about what just happened last night and what's going on in the future for the Steelers? No. But I'm compelled to do it because we must.
1: The Steelers fall to the Cincinnati Bungles, 27-17. to 17. I did not go into this with confidence. Remember it last week said, easy game? Right. I never go into a Steelers game. We have not no. dominated in a fashion that would lead one to believe anything is easy. This wasn't just not easy. This was sheer domination by a team that could muster barely... Pulled a guy off the street
2: to play quarterback. A decimated offensive line. Here's my question. Is this the worst loss in the Tomlin era? It's interesting that we have to ask this every year. Last year, I think, was excluded because you have Mason and Duck playing. Just to recap, the year before, they lost to, I don't know how many games that Broncos team won, but the loss to the Broncos in the end of the season where Ben threw the interception on the one-yard line when they were about to win the game. Uh, That was pretty bad because it made them need to go undefeated throughout the rest of the stretch to to get into the playoffs. That stretch included a game against the Patriots, which, of course, that's the one time the Steelers have beat Tom Brady in the last 20 years. They win that game with the Joe Hayden interception. They really get cheated out of a loss, or they lucked out of a loss against the Saints in the Superdome with the pass interference on Joe Hayden. They lost to the Chargers in a weirdly similar way that year. But the Broncos loss was the big loss that year. The year prior before that, I believe it was the my former number one pick, probably current number one pick, the Jaguars lost in the playoffs. The Killer Bees, healthy all at the same time in the playoffs. Um, a rare occasion, and they give up 40-plus points to Blake Bortles, the worst starting quarterback the NFL has seen. And the year before that was the absolute emasculation at the hands of the Patriots, who beat the Steelers out of the building so badly, albeit with Le'Veon Bell out of the game, who had been setting records every game at that point. Uh, He wasn't playing, and it was a bunch of uh, undrafted wide receivers playing, but it was such a bad loss that you were just worried that this was the most we could throw at the Patriots and we won't be able to climb that mountain again. Those are the recent losses. Now, I'm not even speaking about the, all the early season losses the Steelers have had to middling quarterbacks and backup quarterbacks. Just to put it in perspective, by the way, I think Ryan Finley yesterday was under 90 yards passing. The Steelers are actually 4-5 in those games when they've played quarterbacks who have had 90 or less yards passing. So this is a familiar... Uh, place for the Steelers to be in. So there's my recap quickly of, of some of the biggest heart-wrenching highlights of the past few years. I'm sure I'm forgetting a few. Where do you think this one ranks? I
1: think it ranks below the Jagu- the Jaguars, to- losing twice to the Jaguars in 2017. Right. I mean, first getting – not losing, but losing 30-9 to in the first game – uh-huh. And then thinking, okay, we've got the, – and then just ripping off uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight wins in a row, losing to the Patriots, yeah. and then two more wins, and then meeting the Jaguars in the playoffs and losing 45 to 42 where we were tantalizingly close to a victory. Right. But we did not figure it out. I think that was worse. I agree. Because that's and two the, times in one season. This, yeah. this
2: loss to the Bengals was predictable. You think it was predictable? Well, you're, you're probably right, actually, because they you, you have to be aware of the two-win teams. It's not always the six-win teams you have to worry about with Tomlin and the Steelers, you know, Tomlin and, and Ben in the same era. Uh, it's the two-win teams. It's the bottom of the bottom of the barrel. That seems to be the ones they can't get themselves up for. I did not expect the Steelers to come out there and be great. I didn't think there was a chance of them losing because I felt like at this point in the season, that's not usually when that loss occurs. It usually occurs in the first half of the season. The Steelers had so much attention on them after uh, 11-0 start. We know that the Steelers weren't as good as 11-0 suggested, but they got an overly abundant amount of hate for being 11-0. So, hey, they may not be 11-0, but they're a 9-10 or 10 win type team. And... uh then they lose, you know, they they beat the JV Ravens in an embarrassingly close fashion. They get beat by Washington, who, yes, is a much better team than people anticipate, but they were, you know, 11 or 0 at the time to lose that game. They get crushed by the Bills by the end of the game, when really in the first half they were kind of having their way with the Bills, except for obviously this putrid offense. And there was just so much attention on the Steelers. I just thought that this was a sure win even if it was going to be ugly, I said last week the only chance for the Steelers to salvage this season would be to beat up on the Cincinnati Bengals, who are a JV team in themselves, win the division, and sort of trick themselves into thinking that that was a big win and getting the momentum back. So I was surprised that they lost, but I'm almost not so much focused on the the result of the game as much as I'm focused on the performance of Ben Roethlisberger and, and the thought that the whole team played Poorly yesterday, except for Deontay Johnson um, and TJ Watt. But the scary thing was that in a game where we were begging Randy Feetner to open up the offense, to throw some play action in, the, the, the least used play action team in the NFL, you guys know what I mean there, uh, to throw some under the center in, to try and throw a deep, try and throw an intermediate, and he did all of that. I mean, he shocked me with how much they did it. And by the way, as we predicted, Since teams are jumping all of the Steelers' short routes, those intermediate and deep things were wide open, and Ben couldn't hit the broad side of the barn. He's missing throws that you would never see Ben make. So I have a million thoughts about this game, but to me it really all comes down to the Ben thing because I think we talked about it on the show after the Washington loss. That's when the writing was on the wall, especially after Dupree went out, but this offense just kept getting worse and worse, and the offensive line play got worse. That's when we said... I think you said something like, the loss doesn't worry me. It's the fact that this isn't, this isn't a Super Bowl team, period. And so I've been kind of stealing myself for that, no pun intended, uh, for them not being a Super Bowl team, especially when you watch teams like the Bills and the Browns get super hot. We know what the Chiefs are. We see these teams peaking, and we see what the Steelers are doing, and we've watched enough football to realize this isn't the same thing as when the, when the Steelers turned around 2005 and ended the season with six straight wins. I mean, this has been a descent into complete uh, uselessness this is a bottom team in the league at this point based on the worst offense we've ever seen in Pittsburgh including the uh the duck year last year and the issue was really with the offensive line the play calling and the receivers dropping passes and Ben's Ben being at the stage of his career where he can't just carry the team past that Because he had carried the team past a terrible offensive line when they won the Super Bowl against the Cardinals. They had no running game. They had a a bottom-ranked running game that year. He carried them through that. They've had okay receivers throughout the years, and they've had great ones, but he's been able to carry them. The difference with this year is he couldn't carry them. Then, against Buffalo, Ben started turning. The horrible pick six. Some of just the ineffectiveness downfield. And then this game just seemed like, oh, my goodness, this isn't just in his head. We might just be seeing the guy's body break down. So that's where I'm at. The Super Bowl hopes, I mean, come on, man. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if if Brown wants to get traded back to Pittsburgh and throw him a bunch of screen passes. That's that's a far cry at this point. I'm just having the last 18 years of my life flash before my eyes with Ben Roethlisberger having a performance that almost insinuates, whew, I don't want to say you know he has to hang it up, but last night it really looked like that, a guy who just maybe couldn't take the physicality of the game. Uh, we've seen him make the throws with his arm recently, but, man, that, that's just where my mind is. It was the Ben thing, and then you tie in all the other crappy elements of the team. It's, just, it's kind of a bigger problem than just one loss to me.
1: I just had a milestone birthday, and I was talking to somebody who said, it's not one more year. It's one less year. This is inevitable oh. that Ben was going to reach the end of his career. So, as I look at the possession chart, mm-hmm. the Bengals scored one time when the ball started in their territory. Right. So let me let me just allay any criticism of the defense. Well, the defense. This is this is just a script. Hold on. Sure. So this is just a script, which which is what happens. They can dominate for a half and then sooner or later we're done. Even though the time of possession is essentially the same, uh, and let's acknowledge, I mean, I think uh, the defense did what it could. I mean, we're down. We have no linebackers who are starting (laughs) at the beginning of the season. So, and I don't believe in the next man up theory, or else you wouldn't have first. You would just be interchanging guys all day long. I mean, you're replacing guys with four-string. We pull guys off the street.
2: A safety is playing linebacker, and even he got hurt and had to play through it.
1: So this looks like Ben is, like, out of the movie of The Walking Dead. I mean, he has just turned a corner. I can't – you know, what can you attribute it to? I think the, the, the whole thing about the knees and the elbow, it's yeah. it's not that. Because the guy can – you saw passes where he can still complete a pass into the end, of, end zone to um, Deontay, Deontay Johnson into a small window fast. That's not the issue. I right. think there's just – whole. by the way – didn't this sort of look like a you know who Bugs Bunny is excuse me I'm not sure what you kids saw as children because we didn't we didn't moderate you at all no but when you look you didn't need to have the full all 22 to see the, the as, you've, as you as we've been talking about the defense was all within 7 yards of the offensive line all the time there was Everybody knew where the play was if they didn't know where the play was going, they knew it was going to go more than where the sticks were. Yeah so it was you know predictab- predictable is, is sort of a understatement of the Steelers offense right and it just seems that it's all centered around Ben's ability or mental state.
2: It's hard to tell because it's a combination of everything, but I think last night was the first time where it really was primarily Ben because this offensive line has disintegrated in front of our eyes. Like, how much more can Marquise Pouncey play? DeCastro is a shell of a man right now. I know he's nursing multiple injuries, but it's like, is that guy going to want to – I don't want to be looking too far into the future, but, like, is he going to want to come back? Is he going to be able to come back at the same level? We've all known the rumors of, you know, based on his interviews, uh, him just being – downtrodden the whole year even when they were 11-0 I mean he was downtrodden so I don't know what's going on with him Villanueva hadn't given up a sack the entire year and he got abused on national television by Carl Lawson last night so it starts with the with the line really to me and, and the receivers over the past few weeks and Ben just joined and, and Randy Fietner. Now and then Ben joined the party last night Now, last night wasn't perfect. A lot of second and 10 draws and stuff, but it was Randy Featner's finest hour. And listen, I'm not patting ourselves on the back here. We just did simple arithmetic. There was no algebra. There was no high-level math or science involved. We could just tell you that when you watch the games, you see all the cornerbacks and the defensive backs for the other teams are jumping the Steelers' routes. Actually, you don't even need to watch the games. You can just hear the post-game comments from Washington, Buffalo, and Baltimore who are saying we know where they're going to throw the ball. Everybody on TV knows where the Steelers are going to throw the ball. Okay? So we said it's going to be wide-ass open over the middle of the field or deep. And the amount of times Chase Claypool, I mean, how can you miss? the 6 6'4 God of a man running uncovered down the middle of the field. And Ben just not even looking his way. I mean, one of the lowest points to me was in the first half when uh, – and we'll get into the game flow in just a second here, I guess. We probably should. But we will I'll tell the details of that as we go along. But Claypool running uncovered for multiple 50-yard touchdowns. That's not an exaggeration. I mean, these were 50-yard touchdowns if Ben just throws it. I mean, I'm throwing it. You're throwing it. We might have to throw a little earlier than Ben does. But – it was just a complete falling apart, so that was upsetting. But Feitner did dial up those plays that went a little bit deeper, and they were wide open. They weren't a little open. They were shockingly open. So to not be able to hit that hurts. This game hurts because, you know, the Super Bowl hopes were already dwindling in the past few weeks. This just stamps the door. The thing about Ben having to retire potentially. And listen, that's not dramatic. Like, you guys saw what I saw. It's not out of the question at all. I know he said a couple days ago he's not going to retire in 2021, Mm -hmm. but he also said, I'm not going to be the guy who overstays his playing limits. I'm not going to do that, which I don't want to have to watch him go through what Eli Manning went through, the embarrassing streak of play, what Drew Brees is doing right now. I mean, he lost the game for the Saints because he had too much pride to let Taysom Hill play against the the Chiefs. I don't want to have to watch my football hero go through that, you know? But – yeah, it's just the larger Im- uh, implications and it sort of s- sucks that they have to play two more games <laughs> with this team right now. I mean, hey, it would be a miracle if they could beat the Colts or the Browns, but we've seen the Steelers pull off miracles before. So the ho- hope isn't you know entirely lost for that, for a pride standpoint, but it's just hard not to look past. Oh, goodness. We are really staring life after Ben, like in the face r- r- right now and just what a weird season. Start out 11-0 and, and get to the point where you can't beat w- the worst team in the league, essentially. Well,
1: I guess I would ask you why I bet on the Steelers to win by 13 and a half
2: It's because we always bet on the Steelers, and when we make those bets, we bet at Bet Online. Football regular season is almost done. It's playoff times. Listen, you're not going to make any money off of betting the Chiefs. Pretty sure there's quite a bit going on there. Bet the man now, yeah. Maybe, maybe not to win the Super Bowl, but bet. But you know, get some prop bets in there because Bet Online has some good props. Will Juju dance on other teams' logos anymore? No, because Tomlin said that he shouldn't. Will he do it anyways? Maybe you can make that bet on Bet Online. And if you head there and use that promo code Armchair, you can take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses that they're offering right now. So head to Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So we were going to talk about the game
1: flow, and I think you outlined this well. You've talked a lot about it, the aspects of that. Um, we could look at the numbers, and they're just insane. Ooh, they're insane.
2: Yeah, it, basically, here's the first half recap. It was the worst half we've ever seen, From strictly from Ben, unfortunately. I mean, the line's horrible, too, but... Really from Ben, like we said, multiple times, Claypool running untouched. Deontay Johnson wide open, missing throws here or there. Ben throws the ball directly to the Cincinnati defender. Uh, I mean, it, it was horrific. The play calling was much better, as we said. Uh, they went three and out, I believe, on seven of eight possessions in the first half. Uh, ben, at one point before the last few throws of the, uh, in the last couple minutes, he was five of 13 for negative two yards. One interception. Two fumbles, one fumble loss. Listen, you guys think that you get attached to characters on The Mandalorian or Game of Thrones or whatever show you like? Imagine this. And you don't have to imagine because you're all going through the identical thing that we're all going through. Imagine having that character be a real human being and watching it for, since you were 12 years old. To watch Ben go through that first half was painful. You know that he's embarrassed. Like the team is aware that he's screwing this up. They should be up by twenty, not just because it's the Bengals, but because the plays were there to be had. The Bengals couldn't get a first down either. I mean, they were going three and out in every every possession. So you just felt so bad for Ben. I, I, I did, and it was just hard to watch. Especially, you know, my relationship with that is is tough. Just like a lot of you guys, you know, anybody out there who's Ben fans. The media hates him. I mean, they, they haven't forgiven him, I guess, for the early career stuff, whereas they've forgiven other players, Tyreek Hill or Kobe Bryant or, or whatever it may be. And there's an inherent bias against Ben Roethlisberger. If he throws for six touchdowns in back-to-back games, uh, the ESPN report is basically like, yes, and then Peyton Manning won this game, blah, 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 Okay, next game, Ben Roethlisberger threw six touchdowns and 500 yards. Pretty good game from Ben. Moving on, uh, Aaron Rodgers was playing. But if Tom Brady threw for six touchdowns, they would say, uh, okay, You guys are going to understand what we're going to do here. We are canceling today's ESPN show in terms of talking about the other teams. We just need to spend half an hour on Tom Brady and those six touchdowns. And let me show you how he threw those beautiful screen passes to running backs who ran it in untouched. This thing was a thing of beauty. And then if Ben does one thing wrong, he should retire. He's evil. He's so dumb. He made Antonio Brown leave Pittsburgh. Uh, Fast forward a few months later. Turns out Antonio, Antonio Brown's a psychopath. Nobody apologizes to Ben Roethlisberger. So this is what's hard. So I know that, and I know that online. The Sharks are waiting. Hey, I told you so. You can't tell me so after 17 years of a Hall of Fame career. There's nothing to tell you. It's just vindictive and evil. So that's the first half. And teams are just trading three and outs the whole game until Ben fumbles the snap inexplicably. It was right in his hands. And gives Cincinnati a free field goal, like you mentioned then maybe the biggest play of the game in certain ways, Cincinnati absolutely blows Juju up and forces a fumble zone in territory. One of the hardest hits I've ever seen. Ben throws to Juju on a one-yard crossing route. Cincinnati is jumping every route, just like all the teams are right now. Von Bell, the safety, who mentioned after the game that Juju dancing on the logo, fired them up. He blew Juju up where he flew a foot and a half to two feet in the air, and the fumble bounced 10 yards backwards. I mean, it was the ultimate revenge for Juju's hit on Perfect, which, can you ever truly get revenge for that? No, you can't. But for them, uh, you know, they posted Cincinnati Bengals, Twitter posted, uh, Von Bell blows up Pittsburgh TikTok star, so... That's hard. We're just getting owned right now as Steelers fans. That's tough. Forces the fumble in their own territory. Bengals score a touchdown. Right in next possession, Bengals gets the ball back, drives down the field a little bit with Benny Snell, throws an interception directly to the Bengals like he's playing catch with his kid in the backyard. Bengals score another touchdown on that. Where they score on that, and we head into the second half in in red alert mode. And then some signs of life. The opening drive was was four plays. Okay, I think the third play was. The 37-yard screen to Chase Claypool, where you had the reminder that this guy could be a is the next DK Metcalf if we play our cards right. I mean, he is. He got that ball, and his first three steps, like, how is a man that large and that muscular this fast? He hit that fourth step, it basically disappeared into the ninth dimension. I mean, he like if you let him get a couple steps, he gets moving. And you mentioned it last night. The safety made a miracle tackle to stop him. That was almost a 50-yard touchdown. But luckily on the very next play, Ben throws that beautiful dime to to Deontay for the touchdown. Deontay catches it. Tricky catch. The guy had his hands in his face. And we're thinking, okay, there's life. But really what I'm thinking is, why have you roped me back into this? Because at halftime, I didn't care. I was despondent. And now it's a game. It's 17-7 or whatever it is. So the Steelers end up scoring 10 more points over the course of the next, uh, you know, two quarters or quarter and a half, whatever it is. But uh, the Cincinnati run game wears down the Pittsburgh defense. Like you mentioned, it's the script. The Steelers do a good job in the first half on defense, and then they wear them down. I think they took, like, seven minutes off the clock off of their on their final possession. Like, their final, like, 15 plays were runs, and the Steelers just couldn't stop it. The dagger was Finley, the quadruple backup quarterback, who's not a running quarterback, really. He converts a third and five on a run play. Uh, there was a film that came out today that showed Alex Highsmith, who's, who's played nicely in his replacement of Bud, but he'd been crashing really hard on a lot of those read options. So uh, Zach Taylor, the coach of the Bengals, said they noticed that at halftime and they called this play. So he's, he vacated the zone, and Ryan Finley basically walked 23 yards in the end zone um, after he had converted a third and five with the run play. Then the Steelers get the ball back for a two-minute drill. Down seven points, they go four and out with zero yards. Game pretty much ends. So that's the game flow. And uh, you guys saw it, but uh, it's just it shows. There was a, a spark of life at the beginning of the second half. And at that point for me, I don't know how you felt, Dad. I mean, you were more positive than I was, probably because you knew I was in a dangerous place. But uh, I didn't care about Super Bowl or... Playoff implications or looking how the team was. I just wanted to be saved the embarrassment of losing to the Bengals. And and I just wanted Ben to get a little redemption from the embarrassment that was the first half.
1: Did you ever hear of Elizabeth Kubler Ross? Yes. I felt like you were in the sixth level of mourning, and I was right. a little afraid. So you're in a different city until hopefully tomorrow, right? That's Coming right. In back into town for Christmas. That's right. And I didn't want to push you over the edge, but I I had like, I guess naively I had some hope. I mean, there was some momentum. I do think that the Steelers work off of momentum as much as I don't really believe in it. I have seen it too many times with the Steelers, but it was not to be. And I just I don't remember seeing a guy fall off a cliff like Ben has. Actually, maybe I shouldn't say that because it's been a Peyton Manning. It does happen, um, but you're be right. It's been a slide. I mean, we've been talking about this all the time, right? It's okay one day, and then you wake up, yeah. and it's not. Yeah. And the question is whether Ben – Ben says he doesn't want to be that guy, but who right, recognizes right, right. that in himself? Did you hear the post-game interview? You know, it, the usual monosyllabic answers. I, I think it's ridiculous to even bother to have those interviews. But I don't know. Is he going to recognize that in himself? Because it goes back to what you were saying three games ago where he just looks – I hate to say it, like scared.
2: Yeah, I think that that, so there's a couple things, not three games ago, but maybe two games ago because he actually, we have been saying this on the podcast, his play had been improving. He had slowly started hitting more downfield passes and then the Washington, and then this slide, it, it started looking worse. Washington, he was, we talked about it. He actually looked good. That was the, that was the drop game, right? That's where that we would have blown them out if Deontay or Ebron or anybody caught those passes in the end zone in the first half. So he still looked good there. It was the Bills game when it started slipping, and it was this game when the wheels fell off. And they talk about this a lot in, in media with great quarterbacks. It's not always a slow decline. Like Tom Brady's the one example where I am annoyed at people saying he's still, you know, prime right now, because that's not true but I'm equally annoyed at people saying he's fallen off because he looks great in Tampa Bay. They're, they are hanging him out a little bit to drive with the coordinators. Side note, it's just annoying that when the coordinators do so much for him for 20 years, they get no credit. The instant that the coordinators don't do a good job, oh, it's, it's all, oh, and Tom Brady's not good enough to overcome it. Like Ben was good enough for 20 years almost. Oh, not, now it's all the coordinators' fault. But either way, what I'm trying to say is it's not a slope with the quarterbacks. It's often a drop off a cliff. So Peyton Manning was incredible. He set NFL records his first few years with the Broncos, and then he was having his second to last season, and first half of the season went great. Three touchdowns a game, everything, normal Peyton Manning, and halfway through the season is when the wheels fell off. It wasn't at the beginning of the year. It wasn't in the playoffs. It was halfway through the year, and it just was never the same again. He sucked out the rest of that year. He started the next year as the worst quarterback in the league. It was like three or four touchdowns, 15 interceptions. It was, it was insane. You know, got benched or he was hurt for Brock Osweiler. And then eventually he came back and won the Super Bowl as the worst quarterback in the league because he was smart enough to just hand it off and let Von Miller do the work, right? So that's when I've seen this. So that's what I wondered last night. Is it like, damn, did Ben just hit that breaking point? Because like we've talked about, it's not the arm, which is weird because you said he made that nice pass to Deontay in the end zone, right? Well, the bigger pass was the week prior, last week, when he made the bullet to Washington. And if you guys right. go online and watch the video from the end zone cam, it really shows you how fast that ball is moving and how small the window is. And I tried to talk about this all year, last year with Rudolph. Like People think just because Rudolph throws it high and he doesn't even throw it that far, it just looks far on TV. He, he, we judge the arm strength off of, sure, how far you can throw it, but it's more how fast you can throw it on a 30-yard rope. And so the arm's fine. So I don't get why when he was rolling out on that first play, he threw the ball 10 yards short to James Washington. He has been vehement in saying that the knee is fine too. And I tend to believe him because if it's Ben, he's going to tell you if the thing's injured. And he seems pretty vehement on that. I just think that it's the other thing people talk about with, with old quarterbacks. It's not always the arm. It's not always the legs. It usually is the legs, they say, First. It's getting scared of getting hit, and it's being uncomfortable. And that's what it seems like to me with Ben right now. He's incredibly uncomfortable. So that's the first theme of the game. The end may be nigh. Father time. I'm not going to say today that he has caught Ben, but we are on red alert. Um, and I could, you know, we could cry here on this podcast, but I think uh, right now that I'm talking about the, uh, the actual game, We're just more in an analytical mode. It's not time yet, but we have to face the realistic implications that, dude, what we saw last night, if his arm's fine, he just might have gotten caught.
1: We seek no comfort.
2: Mm. A lot of Tomlin's platitudes have done nothing for us unleash hell in december the new unleash hell in december is lose almost every game every year like he's done for the past two years after eight years of incredible final uh final season um finishes also like what, what else does he say don't blink you blinked a lot you've been on national television four weeks in a row and you've gotten embarrassed every time how about uh don't live in our fears well, he said he's benching. They're not playing Chase Claypool as much because they think he could hit a rookie wall. When you saw him make that screen pass and how wide open he was, he should have had 200 yards last night. And he's their best player outside of Deontay Johnson. It sounds like living your fears to me. So it is a little frustrating right now. And uh, but to me, this—I don't know. This is sort of a vent podcast, but this collapse isn't on one guy. It's on everyone. But where Tomlin should get the blame? is his over-loyalty to inside guys. His loyalty to Porter and Lake was a disaster. The instant he gets rid of them, the high draft picks in their charge blossomed. But Dupree was a bust until Porter left. Terrell Edmonds, bust until Carnell Lake left. You hung your hat on Randy Feetner and Butler. And luckily for Butler, you got 12 all pros on defense. So, you know, jury's out on that. But just being overly loyal to those guys, you know, has has been an issue. And, uh, yeah, I don't know.
1: It's frustrating. Well, the big fear is that he's going to be loyal to Ben. And the big opportunity next year, in a year where the payroll is going to fall by 20%, is that Ben is going to be the $40 million guy. And are you going to value him at $40 million, which is going to put a lot... Right. Without moving him on... You're going to sideline a lot of guys, and you know we won't spend a lot of time on it tonight. But I think everybody can see, like you have guys who need to get paid, and you. We have been talking about Sutton and the Silver Bullet, yeah, which would be critical because I think uh, Love Joe Hayden, yeah, he's just hanging on, mm-hmm. and he's got to move on, and you've got to cover that. And I'd much rather have a stronger secondary these days in the NFL. And You're going to have Devin Bush who's going to come back, explain, and I think you're strong in the middle of the field, but you've got to spend some money in the defensive backfield, and your money is all in the quarterback who is now, I don't know, shell-shocked?
2: Yeah, yeah, shell-shocked. So obviously they're going to have to see how he performs over these next two weeks, which are going to be brutal. India has one of the best defenses in the league, so, you know, can they get shut out this week? Sure. Uh, You know, every week I've thought that they can turn it around. I knew that they wouldn't turn it around and be awesome, I just have seen so many Steelers teams be able to rise to the occasion and find an ugly win.
1: So one thing I wanted to note is the offensive line. You know, we gave up one sack, but nine quarterback hits, which is pretty unique for this season. And I'm not going to, like, produce accolades for the offensive line, but Benny Snell had a great game. Benny Snell does not do this on his own, so there were some holes being opened up. I do not deny that we are due for an overhaul, but I fear that this is, like, one of those situations with Bud Dupree, uh-huh. who's getting a lot of heat for not producing three years, two years ago, but he's playing hurt, and as you've intimated, so is right. DeCastro. No, who knows what's going on with Pouncey and Villanueva? He's
0: hurt, too.
2: Yeah, Villanueva, I don't know, he just had a bad game. But you're right, there were actually some beautiful holes opened up, and, and Benny Snell did a valiant job, um, my worry with Benny Snell is that I am, I'm almost positive that uh, Coach Tomlin has an inflated sense of what Benny Snell is. I've seen some other people. I think John Ledyard and Derek have. Uh, we've gone back uh, at Derek to kid, great Steelers mind over there. They've, uh, we've gone back and forth about Benny Snell. Like he is the definition of just the guy. I mean, this is a backup running back with no explosion, but he has you know great plays. Like it, it's. He's been inspiring when he's gotten in there for the Steelers, but I would just be so bummed if, if, if they don't take a running back high, because well, obviously James Conner, American hero, we love this man, he, he can't be the running back for the Steelers anymore, I mean, he doesn't play half the games every year, and even then, he didn't even play well when he was in there, he was seeing ghosts as well, making weird cuts and weird holes, he's gonna be back next week, but Mike Tomlin said that Benny Snell's gonna get a chance to make uh, significant plays, and I would start him. I mean, Connor's out the door in two weeks, anyways, right? So, uh, uh, I don't know because then no, he's going to chick himself I, in the starting.
1: I, <laughs> I, I just can't. I just can't find myself drafting a running back. I go back. I dip back into what you and I were talking about during the game. Was get Kareth White? <laughs> yeah,
2: Kareth White get, podcast. There
1: are, there are any. T- there are any number of journeyman running backs we could plug in. That is not the priority. Uh,
2: I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I think that you don't take a running back in the first round unless you are on the doorstep. But you have to take one within the first three rounds. Like, oh, we found uh, you know so and so in the fourth, fifth round. Like, sure, but you do have to to prioritize that because I think that you have a couple running backs in the, for the Steelers. They they have no agility whatsoever, and the one who does, he has just, He doesn't have. Like, what's the opposite of twenty twenty eyesight? That's what McFarland has. He has no idea what's going on out there. He's a chicken with his head cut off. You have to have some guys who can make some plays outside of structure, who can juke some people, who can accelerate quickly instead of these plodding backs that the Steelers have. But back to the offensive line, yeah, it's ruined. For this year, for sure. For next year, who knows? But for this year, just whatever they're doing, sure, you open it up against the 32nd-ranked defense in, in the league. Great. Good job. But uh, they're just ruined. They can't protect for the deep passing. The sacks numbers are relevant for me. It's another perfect example of how stats are so overused in in football. They, of course, have a place, but we need context with every single stat. Ben didn't take a sack for five weeks, and it was the worst Mm -hmm. offense we'd ever seen in Pittsburgh, and we watched Mason Rudolph and Duck play last year. So, like, what was the cost of no sacks? Oh, yeah, having to get it out in .5 seconds and every team knowing what you're going to do, right? But the offensive line is a huge problem. Feetner's the exact same problem he always was. The only positive here is, like, they have to get rid of him after this season. At, the, at this point, it's so bad. Um, but, yeah, the offensive line is, is poop right now. And they do have really promising young talent. Dermon Gray actually played yesterday, and he's played well. I think Dotson's supposed to be back this week. If not this week, maybe next week. And Chooks wasn't good. Banner hopefully comes back next year. So you have... You have some things in the pipeline where it's not so bone dry like it once was. But, you know, the decline of the big three guys, is it was really a, a alarming. So that offensive line getting ruined, that was my second uh, theme of the day.
1: Um, so Christmas is in, what's it? 22nd? Three days. Wow. As I said, Nick is coming to Washington, D.C. to celebrate with his family. And um, that stocking is not quite full yet.
2: And if it's not, you know what to fill it with. Technology. The future. Self-respect. Manscaped. Manscaped is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They got a razor that makes it almost impossible. What's like a mower. It's a lawnmower. The Lawnmower 3.0. It makes it almost impossible to cut yourself. So anybody who's uh, ever done that before... Fear not. It's not going to happen again. I can attest to this. I've tried. And, I mean, me, you know, the Serenas were made of thicker stuff. But either way, I've tried. It can't happen. All right? You can do it in the shower. It's waterproof. You can do it at night. It's got a light. They have all kinds of balms and uh, anti-chafing creams and things that are really useful. Really useful Things I didn't think I would ever use when I first got the, the Manscaped Total Package. And now I use them religiously. It's just one of those gifts. Unbelievable last-minute gift that you could get uh, for somebody in your life, and you can get it for 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Your balls or someone else's balls will thank you.
1: It's a big opportunity. We still have a couple of weeks left to regain the pot of gold that we built up during the year.
2: Yep. We're going to regain that that online. Exactly. That's right. And we're going to do it as I step directly on that transition you laid out for me. But uh, that makes us about as smooth as the Steelers' offense at this point. And we don't care. We're still betting on the Steelmen versus the Colts. Screw you, Colts. Steelmen are going to take this one. Bet the over under. It's going to be a 10 point over under. <laughs> and I'm betting the under. <laughs> but you can uh, do that at Bet Online. and You can get a little something, something if you use the promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online. Ching your online sports book experts. Hey, so there's not a whole lot more to go over. I mean, we could go over your
1: position. I want to give uh, special accolades to Marcus Allen. I thought, you know, like a guy sought to, this is the next man up. He was plugged into a position. It's not his natural position. That stinger looked painful. Yes. My guess is it took two syringes to get him back on the field, and he kept playing because this guy sees, like, this is my opportunity. Some like Bobby Spokane did.
2: (laughs) That's right. Uh, yeah, Marcus Allen wasn't good, and none of us can be mad at him for that. He doesn't play linebacker, and he had to do it. This isn't like putting Troy back there when you're putting a force of God, God's chosen child, back there to play linebacker, and that sort of ended his career. Thanks, Steelers. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it actually was inspiring watching him do that, and that stinger looked really painful. I thought he surely popped his shoulder out, and you and I were talking about it like, what? this guy's a psychopath to get back in. But you think about it. A guy like that, he's only going to have so many chances. Just like Dangerfield only had so many chances to, to play actual defense. And then Dangerfield had the miracle of staying on as a professional football player as a special teams guy. He had another big hit the, you know, yesterday against the Bengals. But when you're Marcus Allen, you know, like, dude, this might be my only chance as a starting defender with the Steelers. Like, if I don't, you know, if nobody else gets injured for the next couple of years, my contract's up, I never get another shot. I'm staying in there. So that was Valiant. The third theme we were going to talk about today was the defense getting worn down. But we talked about that already. You outlined it nicely. I mean, ben, Ben's pick and his fumble and Juju's fumble in their own territory, those are killers. And then eventually that Cincy run game and the slow running quarterback beat the Steelers down along with, um, you know, Taylor getting the best of the Steelers coaches, which is surprising. So should we talk? It's just – it's such a depressing day. I don't mean to bring down the Steelers' diaspora – out there, fellow fans out there. But I do feel like it's necessary to talk about what we see happening because that's the fun part about football. The fun part may not be what what happens next. Uh, but uh, where do you want to go from here? Do you want to talk about just maybe really quickly? I know it's not the last game of the season, but do you do you look into the future at all like we were just doing? Do you have any hope for the rest of the season? How do you frame your mind to watch the rest of this year?
1: I still think... That there is nothing to lose from Ben's standpoint. You can't. There's only one way to go up, and that's up. And why doesn't he unleash? But that theory didn't work out in the second half. He had the he had two good drives, but he didn't end up capitalizing or maintaining that intensity. Although I do hope, like I can't, I can't go the rest of the season without hoping. We yeah. gotta, we gotta hope that's like, like there's a huge turnaround. How many is this? The third team that's gone 11 and 0. Only to lose three straight games. No, second. The, Saint,
2: the New Orleans Saints did it, but we know. No, it's I think a that the
1: totally Rams were in like 1912 or something like that. Right, but right. The, right. Well, but the, the point is, you, we watch this game because we hope and we love, and yeah. it's the only, the only time I ever use that word. <laughs> but we can talk about We've got a whole offseason to talk about what could happen next, and it, it really does, for me, hinge on whether Ben recognizes it himself and whether he wants to get out on top. Uh, the sixty thousand yards and the five thousand uh, completions. I mean, no, it was the worst possible game for that, that to happen, yeah, wasn't it? Tough. If you think about it, it's almost ironic. But you know, first of all, I wanted to let you know that Mason has one more year on his contract oh. before he goes UFA. So if the Steelers Can can't get over their get ego and admit the mistake, Mason is going to be could be the the next guy up after Ben, but. My okay, then I'm done.
2: Ben's not gonna let go. I'm done if that happens. By the way, Ben has 393 touchdown passes. There are only one, two, three, four other quarterbacks. Maybe five at this point. Did did uh, Rivers Rogers get there to to get into that? <sighs> Am I right? That can't be updated, can I, I know that he's like a few touchdown passes away from a major milestone, a, a hundred-something type of milestone. So that would be so disappointing to see him uh, hanging up a couple of touchdowns before that. But, yeah, as far as what we want to watch, as far as the hope goes, I mean, we're so invested in this team on a whole, on a macro level and on a micro level that I want to see Deontay Johnson play well. I want to see Chase Claypool and, and Kevin Dotson and TJ Watt. I want to see him try and wrap up that defensive player of the year. I want – to see these these guys succeed. My expectations for the win and loss have kind of gone out the window, if I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know. Like, How do you balance that? When you have a podcast, you have a show about this, You we want people to listen. We don't want you to tune in so we can bring you down. We're, you're already down enough the same way we're down. We want to bring you up. But I'm also not going to lie about it because part of the fun about football is like, hey, there's actions and there's consequences and this is where the Steelers are at. So we like analyzing the game that way. And I guess that's just kind of where I'm at. So, of course, you know, we're going to be intrigued to see how are the Steelers players going to do? How are they going to set themselves up for next year? Is Ben going to retire? Can you get Matthew Stafford or something like that? Or a Matt Ryan? Can you get a Pro Bowl-type <clears throat> aging quarterback who might be getting out of his situation? That might give you a totally different feeling about next year. I almost feel like it's completely disrespectful to even say anything like that until Ben has officially made that statement. But, of course, you need to think about it because... Here's what I'll say, because the thing about, you know, what I love about podcasts and and sports is when people are honest, and I'll be honest right now, the Steelers are an incredible franchise. It took them 20 years in between Ben and uh, Terry Bradshaw, and they still made a damn Super Bowl in the interim. I have some faith in the Steelers' ability to be a relevant team, even if they hit some doldrums here. But for me, so much of my football experience, I started with Cordell. And that poster was on my wall. I still have that poster in the room I'm going to be sleeping in, in the room you're podcasting in right now. It's in the closet right now. It's more of an adult-type room, a guest room. But Cordell still is there. And I, so I started with that. So it's not just Ben. But, you know, I was 12 years old when Ben became the quarterback. So so much of my Steelers experience is, is associated uh, with him. And... That's going to be tough for when a guy like that goes. Okay. Um,
1: that's
2: that's going to be tough. And also I'm spoiled as hell because I've never watched a Steelers year where they're not in contention. So I know you could say, oh, you're talking about this too early. But if, that's where my mind goes. How's, how could your mind not go there after you saw a bottom five NFL team? In the Steelers, the past few weeks in a row. So that's what they are. If they turn this around, I would gladly eat crow. But it just doesn't look like it's going to happen. So you worry, man. What's happened? Colbert's year to year. Is Colbert going to be gone after Ben goes? Are you going to are you going to be forced to watch Mason Rudolph play with Benny Snell? Are they really going to think that's an option? Or do they get Stafford? Do they trade up for Trey Lance and they reload with Claypool and Johnson and Watt and all in Minka and the, and and. You know, Dotson and this young talent that they have, are they actually going to be okay and they can transition well into the next, you know, era? I mean, of course, that's going to be intriguing, but, you know, that's just what I feel like, in all honesty, right now while I was watching that game and now a day after watching it. And uh, it's just tough to see other teams peaking at this time and the Steelers peaking in an upside down sort of way.
1: I crush your head. I crush your head. Stop. Block. All right. Block. We have a game against the Indianapolis Colts next week. Let's, we have a lot more to talk about. There's a lot of intriguing what is coming forward. I think we have a lot of good talent. Let's recognize right now the passing of Kevin Green. Man. The fact that he's associated with the Steelers after only three seasons tells you everything. And I actually went out for a Tall Ferocity one with the boys without social distancing tonight, and they had um, It's a Football Life on the screen at the, at the bar I was at. And they had, it was the Kevin Green's episode. Man, that is a guy you want to have a beer with. It's it's so crazy. They still haven't announced the cause of death.
2: You know what sucks is there's a clip of him as the uh, Packers outside linebacker coach against the Steelers in that Super Bowl where there's audio of him hyping up Clay Matthews right before Clay Matthews stripped the ball from Rashard Mendenhall. and. It wasn't inspiring because I, I don't even remember that day happening. I've blocked it out of my mind. But you even see then, like, damn, man, he's so cool when he's hyping him up. I love that he associates himself with the Steelers because, you know, that's really what took his career on a rocket ship to the Hall of Fame. I mean, before that, it had been, you know, not what it became. I mean, the Steelers and him and Greg Lloyd – Blitzburg, iconic, and the hair coming out the back. Such a fun-loving guy. You know, he, I think he even put his name into the hat for the linebacking coach uh, job a couple years ago, so just such a Pittsburgh guy. Like, um, it's almost like a Ric Flair vibe about him. I mean, he's just a superstar. I mean, a lot of it's that Striking. Yeah, glorious. The Trestles. Is it Trestles? How you say the long-flowing hair that way? Trestles. Tresses. Tresses. Trestles. Yeah, man, but that's just depressing. They haven't said the cause of death You know, what a legend, personality-wise, from all accounts, just an incredible guy. I think even Aaron Rodgers might have talked about him today on Pat McAfee's show, you know, being on the Packers, and just seemed to be universally beloved by people. And we're lucky as Steelers fans to have him on the list of incredible personalities who are dominant players, but also, like, really great guys off the field. Visit
1: the website.
2: Well, you want to... You want to give one little positive note like if we're talking about the Colts, what can they do? Yeah. The battle yeah. of of maybe Ben will get so psyched up because Rivers got taken ahead of him in the in the draft that he's going to unleash hell. Well, there's nothing yeah. to lose. You're right. There there is nothing to lose. I'm not saying the Steelers are going to lose the next ga- two games. I'm just saying it would be a it would be a bit shocking if they won them, but it'd be a bit shocking if the Steelers beat the Bengals last night and that happened. So, I'm never going to give up hope on the Steelers and Ben, in any circumstance, and uh, just, just getting one or two of these games would, would be a nice way to salvage some pride. I'm not holding my breath because I have two eyes and I've watched what we've all watched, but hey, it is the Pittsburgh Steelers, and there is always a chance when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm sorry to you guys out there if this was a, a little bit of a downer podcast, but... You know, there's nothing positive to report from that last game. The positive thing is that we still have Steelers football, and there's always something cool to talk about, and and it's going to be very intriguing seeing what the Steelers do going forward. And if it is at the end of Ben's tenure, you get to celebrate the glory. And there are 20 years' worth of uh, highlights and memories and a couple Super Bowls in there that aren't that bad either. But let's not close the book officially until, you know, the fat lady sings.
1: And the Steeler flag will fly gloriously in front of the Holiday Terrace. That's right. Until the end of the season. Visit us on the website at SteelersOutpost.com. Hit us up on Twitter at SteelersOutpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, Merry Christmas. Go Steelers.
2: Okay, bye-bye.